Today, we celebrate the birthday of this nation. Actually, it'll be tomorrow, but since we're here, we're celebrating today. And how many of you know that freedom really isn't free? If it hadn't been for God, we wouldn't even be able to celebrate at all. So if you would, as they run this video, watch this with us, please. We wave high the flag of freedom as a patriotic reminder to never take our independence for granted. Fireworks explode into the night sky, lighting up the darkness, reminding us of our nation's calling in the world. One nation under God. We look into the sky and remember that for all the freedom we have to celebrate, we must never forget our dependence on God. It was by His hand we were afforded our independence. So we might stand for liberty, remembering He set us free from the bondage of sin. So we might stand for justice, for the Lord loves justice, and He will not forsake His saints. So we might stand for freedom, because we know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We thank you, God, for the beautiful gift of our country. May we always depend on you to sustain us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> so, I want to, speaking about birthdays, I want to thank you all last week for the birthday celebration, the basket, uh, the gifts, uh, birthday cards, the treasures and treats that were in those baskets. I've been enjoying them all week long, as you can kind of tell now. Uh, I didn't know there were so many good cooks around here and bakers and candy makers. And uh, it's, been, it's, it's been wonderful, so thank you very much. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Acts, the 22nd chapter starting with the 24th verse. The commander brought Paul inside and ordered him lashed with whips to make him confess his crime. He wanted to find out why the crowd had become so furious. When they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer standing there, is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, what are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. So the commander went over and asked Paul, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, just ask you to speak to our hearts today. Lord, we yield ourselves to you, knowing that, God, the things that you have prepared for us are greater than anything that we could have hoped or imagined. So we just ask in Jesus' name that you have your way. And we give you praise for it. Amen. Amen. I thought I heard music. I'm sure whoever's got that has just shut the band off, okay? Everybody say this with me, freedom. I want to preach to you for just a little while today about freedom. Let me tell you a little bit about Paul. Paul was a minister. He... Uh, but not in the sense that we understand ministry. He was living for God, and the way he thought he was supposed to live for God is by taking people that believed in Jesus and throwing them in prison and having them put to death. A little bit confused, you might say. But when it came to his pedigree, 
and the things that he held valuable, he speaks about those in the book of Philippians in the third chapter, starting with the fifth verse. This is Paul's words. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So what Paul is saying is this, is that there are a lot of things that he valued and he he counted as important in his life. He laid them out for us. He said that he was of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was the darling tribe. He said he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, both a Jew on his mother's side and on his father's side. That was important to him. He said when it came to the law, he was a Pharisee. Pharisees didn't just adhere to the law of Moses. They created a law in addition to the law of Moses because apparently that law wasn't strict enough for them. So they just added to it. And then he said, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Now listen to this. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. How many of you know that there's a huge difference between the righteousness that's in the law and the righteousness of God? And so while Paul he was blameless when it came to the law of Moses, he'd missed the boat completely when it came to the love of God and the law of God. But he doesn't know that. He, you know, all, all those things are important to him. He spent his life going around and getting people arrested that believed in Christ, committing them to prison or putting them to death. And he was very good at what he did. He was consenting to Stephen's death. The people that stoned him laid their coats at Paul's feet while they were stoning him, and Paul gave the go-ahead. Paul didn't think anything about tearing families apart splitting them in, you know, to to pieces, splintering them, destroying homes. It was all part of his great call until one day something happened. And when that something happened, it changed Paul forever. Let me tell you, matter of fact, let me just let Paul tell you about that something. It's found in Philippians, the third chapter starting with the seventh verse and then to verse 12. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Right after that, it goes on that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. He says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I was also apprehended of Christ Jesus. How many of you know that when Jesus apprehends you, something changes? <laughs> this guy is completely transformed. I mean, he, he's complete, he said, those things that were gained to me, he said, what I thought was important, I don't count as important anymore. Has anybody ever been there? Can you relate to what he's saying? How many of you changed when Jesus came into your life? Let me just make this statement, and this isn't prejudiced at all. I'm just stating a fact. If you didn't change, he didn't come into your life. 
Because I'm telling you, it's impossible for him to step in your life and you remain the same. When he comes in, he shakes things up. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, there was a whole lot of shaking going on. I, I mean, man, when I, he came into my life, it, it turned me upside down, inside out, never which way but loose. And that was before the movie ever came out. And, and so God, God knows how to get a hold of you. Look, when the Holy, his spirit comes over you, your spirit changes. Now, how many of you understand that the Holy, that the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit comes and it, it gives you a, uh, a prayer language where you speak in a tongue you don't understand and you're speaking straight to God? But how many of you understand that that's, that's one of the things the Holy Spirit does? But the Holy Spirit comes into you when you give your life to God. Do you understand that? As soon as you accept Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit's coming in. How do you know that? The proof is in the pudding. If, if, if you, when, when you're transformed, look, I met guys that had never spoken another tongue in their life. And they had been as wild as, well, I, I won't describe how wild they were. They'd just been wild. But when Jesus got a hold of them, it transformed them. It was hard for me to fathom that they didn't have the Holy Ghost the way that we, we, we kind of all think that's how you receive it. I think God, I'm kind of like, you know, Paul made a statement. He said, I thank God I speak in tongues more, more than y'all. He said, but I'd rather speak five words in understanding than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. What was he saying? He's saying that was a gift. But so when salvation touched my life, it changed me before I ever spoke in another tongue. I may just hang out here for a second. Okay. So here's what happens. Jesus apprehends Paul. He's on his way. Do you understand? Paul isn't even thinking about giving his heart to God. He's not even thinking about it. He thinks he's already given his heart to God. And he thinks that God's heart is to destroy everything his son did. He's not thinking clearly. How many of you have ever been messed up from the neck up? You know what I'm talking about? That your thinking got wrong. You, you, you got twisted in your thinking. And somebody told me one time, when you get stinking thinking, you need a checkup from the neck up. And so all of a sudden, Paul gets his mind changed in a most unusual fashion. He's on his way to Damascus, gets knocked down flat of his back, and all of a sudden the Lord speaks to him, and he says, Who are you, Lord? And he said, My name is Jesus. <laughs> oh, don't anybody get excited in here. I wouldn't want you to bust a corpuscle or something. And he said, My name is Jesus. He said, It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. What's he saying? He's saying, Paul. You've been fighting me your whole life, and you've known that I'm real. It's hard for you to kick against it now, isn't it? And, man, I'm telling you, he got him between a rock and a hard place. And Paul surrendered. And when Paul surrendered, it changed everything. He said, what was important to me is no longer important to me now. Why? Because I want to know him. You understand, sometimes you have to let go of your ideology you have to let go. I never forget there was a preacher. His name was Tony Campello. He was a Methodist preacher, and he was in a, a, a prayer meeting with a bunch of Pentecostals. 
and, and they, they all got to praying. And this, this lady came up in the middle of this meeting that he's in. He'd been speaking for him. He came up, and, and she brought her little son with her, and his legs were twisted in, in braces. And she came up, and she said, I want you to pray that my son will be healed. It's a little beyond his scope. But he began to pray for that boy, and nothing happened that he saw. A year went by, and he, they invited him back. And when they invited him back, he, that same day where they're having, they're concentrating on prayer, that lady walks in again. But this time, there's a little boy walking in with her with no braces on his legs. And, and he looked, and she said, do you remember us? And he goes, yeah. He said, do you remember my son? And he goes, your, your son, that's the, that's the boy that had braces. He said, yeah. He said, what happened? He said, after you prayed, he said, the next morning his legs begin to hurt. And he said, so I loosened the braces just a little bit. He said, the next day they begin to hurt again, and I loosened a little bit. He said, I did that day after day after day until those braces came completely off of his legs, and he's whole. So Tony's sharing this with some of his peers, some other ministers, and one of them looked over his glasses and said, I'm sorry, but my theology doesn't allow for that. So Tony looked at me and said, well, do you think that God might be a little bit bigger than your theology that he may be able to do exceeding and abundantly above what your theology? Oh, come on, hear what I'm saying. God is God. He doesn't need your help to be God. Paul finds out who he is, and he said, man, I am following after. Now, that, that phrase can sound pretty lame, unless you know the Greek translation of it. And the Greek translation of follow after is hot pursuit. How many of you have ever been in hot pursuit of someone? You know what I'm talking about? Somebody cuts you off in traffic and you chase them for about three miles. Hot pursuit. Of course, you weren't exactly pursuing the right thing at the time. Hot pursuit, when all of a sudden God apprehended Paul's life. He said, I haven't been treating this mean, like, like it's no big deal. He said, I'm not in some stroll in the park. He said, I've been in hot pursuit of him because I was so far away from him, man. I was killing people and having him put in prison. Do you understand that when he saved me, it changed me? And so Paul begins to say, I'm, I'm in hot pursuit of him. He said, it's not like I've already made it yet, not like I've already attained or we're already perfect. He said, but I follow after if I can apprehend that for which also I was apprehended. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, I don't understand why he wanted me. I was so far away from him. But I, now I'm trying to catch why I was caught. I'm trying to grasp why I've been grabbed. And what Paul could not see in himself, God saw in him. And he showed Paul what would happen in his life. life. Paul was going to do some suffering, but Paul was more than willing to do it for the cause of Christ. 
How many of you have been through some junk? Wave your hand if you've been through some stuff. Can I, can I tell you this? This is what you need to know about God. All the junk you want. This is how powerful God is. All the junk you've been through. God, I, I, this is, listen, this, I, I'm giving you my interpretation of this, okay? This is Pastor Rick one and one. He doesn't, you don't go, go, you don't go through, you don't go through that stuff for nothing. How many of you know that God can get some good out of the bad you've been in? <laughs> Oh, you know, see, that is Scripture. He said, for everything works together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. He didn't say that everything that happens is good. He said, I'll just work it for good. What's he saying? He said, I'm going to grab the devil by the nap of the neck, and I'm going to hold him, and I'm going to point you out and say, now, I want you to look at all the bad you tried to do to them, and when I get done, it's going to be brand new. It's going to be brand new. Somebody shout freedom. Freedom from who I was. Freedom from where I was. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And so Paul had a reputation with the church that was changing overnight. How many of you know that that's what God does? God can change us. Aren't you glad for the change? You ever have a pair of dirty socks on for a few days? And your parents finally say, please, go change your socks. Please, you need a change. How many of you know that we all needed a change? Paul talks about what happened to him and how it transformed him. He spends the rest of his life telling everyone about Jesus, talking about the man that he had been fighting against so hard. Now he's testifying of him. He's on his way to Jerusalem when a prophet by the name of Agabus comes up and he takes Paul's belt off and wraps it around his wrists and his feet and said the man who owns this belt will be bound like this in Jerusalem and everybody around Paul began to weep and they begged him don't go don't go to Jerusalem and Paul looked at him he said man he said why are you weeping like this are you trying to break my heart he said don't you understand I'm not only ready to be bound in Jerusalem. I'm not only ready to be imprisoned for the cause of Christ. I'm ready to lay down my life for the cause of Christ. Oh, you, you need to let that sink in. Because we got too many fair-weather Christians. Well, I'm going to live for God until something happens I don't like, then I'm leaving. You ain't living for God. That's not living for God. That's just trying to use God as your chore boy. I'll serve you as long as you do what I want you to do. How far did that go with your mom and dad? I'll be, I'll be in here as long as you, want, as long as you, you do what I want you to do. 
I told my son one time, I said, I'm not in a popularity contest. <laughs> I'm not trying to be your friend. I'm your father. What, what are you getting at? I'm getting at that there were things that I understood that needed, he needed to adhere to for his life to go forward. How many of you know that God has our best interest and concern? Let me, let me just ask you a question. Let's see, how, let's see how well we can trust your judgment. How many of you ever did something that got you in trouble? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you ever did something. I rest my case. What are you talking about? If we're left to ourselves, we're going to get in trouble. But if we'll put ourselves in the hand of God, he'll keep you out of more trouble than you ever knew you could get into. That's what God does. And so now Paul is saying, I'm, I'm ready to lay it all down on the line. I'm ready to give my life for him. I want to share something with you because in the days ahead, you're really going to have to get a grip on this. In the days to come, you're going to have to come to an understanding that everything doesn't always happen the way you want it to happen. Amen. That doesn't mean that God's not in control. Right. You're going to discover that sometimes in life the road isn't smooth. That doesn't mean that God's taken his hand off your life or that he left the journey. He's going to see you through it. Everybody say, he'll see you through it. And he'll bring you freedom in the midst of it. Paul understood. When, he got to, when Paul finally gets to Jerusalem, the apostles meet with him real quick, and they take him in because they're, they're concerned for his safety. The Jews despise him. How many of you have ever had someone that didn't like you? I mean, that's, that's hard to understand, isn't it? I mean, after all, as lovable as you are, how could anybody not like you? But, but, but Paul had some folks that didn't just not like him. They despised him. You want to know why? The reason why? He tells it to the, the uh, commander. He's, he, he's talking to those people but he gets to Jerusalem and he starts talking about Jesus and the reason the Jews don't like him isn't because he's talking about Jesus it's because he was telling he was talking about Jesus to the Gentiles that's what caused the uproar then when the apostles get him they say hey look you know we need to you know kind of chill things out here because people think that you don't adhere to the law of Moses anymore yourself. And he, and he, and Paul actually did. He was telling Gentiles they didn't have to be circumcised to be saved, but Paul was. What was Paul doing? Paul understood that the only thing that could save you is the grace of God. The only thing that could ever save you is the grace of God. And so the, and the, and the apostles had already had a conference over that. And they came away telling the Gentiles, okay, look, you don't have to adhere to all this stuff. Peter told me, he said, why would we put a yoke on their neck that we haven't even been able to carry? The law could never save you. The law was just set up to point out your sin so you knew how bad you needed him. And then all of a sudden, he, he goes in, and he's in Jerusalem. He's in the temple, and, you know, he's adhering to the law. He's even paying for these people that are having vows done, and, and he goes in there, and then they spot him. 
And when they spot him, buddy, it's on. They grab him up. They start beating on him. They're trying to kill him when the soldiers hear what's going on. And they run in and they have to grab him out of that crowd, lift him up, and carry him up over the head to get him out of there. They get him up on these steps and he, he tells the captain, he said, man, let me talk to these folks for a second. <laughs> That's Paul. I mean, if I'd had a bunch of folks trying to kill me, I'd be saying, get me out of this place. But Paul says, let me talk to him for a second. So he talks to the commander in Greek. And he says, you know Greek? He said, yes. And he said, can I talk to these people? Let me speak to them for a second. And when he speaks to them, he speaks to them in their own native language, Aramaic. And when, he, when they see that he's speaking in Aramaic, they just stop. And they begin to listen intently. And he tells them their story. He tells them about how he was such a persecutor of those that followed Jesus. And how that Jesus himself rescued him. And how that he went to the Jews to share with the Jews. And, and the Jews wouldn't receive him. And he said, and then the Lord spoke to me and he said, you go to the Gentiles. And buddy, when he said Gentiles, those people started screaming and yelling, kill him, kill him, kill him. The commander takes him out of that crowd, takes him inside. He can't figure out what's going on. Why did these people blow up like that? He has the centurion. He said, strap that boy up. We're going to whip him until he confesses to what he's done. So they take him and tie him in leather straps and stretch him out. And Paul looks at the soldier tying him down and he says, is it lawful for you to whip a Roman citizen without being tried? And the guy looked at him and said, what? <laughs> you, you're a Roman citizen? Yeah. He runs over to the commander and he said, man, what are you doing? He said, this guy's a Roman citizen. The commander stops and runs over there and said, are, 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 you, are you a Roman citizen? It was against, man, you could, you could get in a mess of trouble for confining a Roman citizen and whipping them without a trial. He said, are you really a Roman citizen? He said, yes, I am. And then the soldier answers Paul in 22 and 20, Acts 22, 28, and the chief captain answered and said, with a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, but I was freeborn. What's he saying? That soldier saying, it cost me to be able to buy my freedom. Paul's saying, I didn't have to buy my freedom. It was purchased <laughs> from my birth. <laughs> oh, hang with me. Hang with me here for just a second because I want to talk about another Pharisee. Another Pharisee that discovered something about freedom and being born. His name is Nicodemus. He's with Jesus, and he said, Master, he said, we know that you've come from the Lord because of all these miracles you're doing. We know that your teaching's got to be true. And Jesus looks at him, and he said, except a man be born again, he can't enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is left with his mouth open. Here he is talking about all of Jesus' miracles and all the healings that he's done, and Jesus doesn't even address it. Jesus doesn't even touch on miracles or healings. Why? Because he knows that can't save you. 
You can get healed and go to hell, friend. But if you get born again, you found freedom in Jesus Christ. He tells him, how, well, how can a man be born again? How's, how's that possible? I don't get that. You see, Paul laid claim to his freedom by his birthright. We lay claim to ours when we're born again. Somebody say born again. Romans 8 and 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Did you get that? He said, you received God's spirit. What is God's spirit? It's the Holy Spirit. What he's saying, he's saying, when you accepted Jesus, you received his spirit. And now you've been made a joint heir with Christ. Now, let me just share something with you, lest you go out of here thinking, well, when I get ready, I'm going to give my life to God. No, you're not. See, Jesus makes a statement. He said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. What's he saying? He's saying when you feel that grip your heart and start pulling you in, don't you shake it off because you don't know how long it's going to stay. He said, my spirit will not always strive with man. You better get a hold of it and say, here I am, God. Save me. When he touches you, when you feel the pull, you need to answer the call. Freedom. John 8 and 36, Jesus makes a statement and said, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Let me share this with you. The freedom we experience here in this nation was orchestrated by God. If you study history, you'll find out we would have never won the Revolutionary War had it not been for the divine providence of God. God's intervention. There were countless battles where it looked like it was over for the patriots. In one occasion, God caused a fog to settle in on a river so the British could not see Washington until he had gotten hit, not only his army, but he had floated all of his artillery out of gun range. This didn't happen until about 10 o'clock in the morning, and he was fearful because he thought, man, I'm going to be exposed by the daylight. But when daylight came, so did a fog. <laughs> Somebody say the favor of God. <laughs> Walking in a fog. And all of a sudden, when the fog lifted, they were out of cannon range, and the British looked, and their mouths dropped open and could not believe that they had them in their hands. No, no, no. They were in God's hands. <laughs> you need to understand that no matter how hard the devil breathes down your neck, God's the one that's holding your hand. God's the one that's taking care of you. I'm talking about freedom. We experienced freedom in this nation orchestrated by God, and it came by the sacrifice of many. But our freedom from sin, the freedom we experienced was also orchestrated by God, and it came by the sacrifice of one, Christ Jesus. Galatians 5 and 1, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again 
in slavery to the law. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, stay free. You don't know how bad I've been wanting to sing that song. Born free, as free as the wind blows, as free as the grass grows, born free to follow his heart. Go ahead and cut that tape off back there now. To know that God's intent for us has not just to be born free, but to stay free. Somebody say, stay free. free. Don't mess with sin any longer. It'll take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay. Any of you ever have an encounter with flypaper? I did once, and once was enough for me. Had, got, got a hold of some fly paper and you got it in your hair? Good night, man. If I got it in my hair, it'd be all gone. That's just, I, I had, she had to cut it out of her hair. I got, I had it on my hand and I'm thinking, grab that and I got it. And it just, it just keeps going back and forth and back and forth, and you can't get rid of it. you gotta, you got to have some help. Somebody shout, help. And Jesus heard it, and he came and gave his life so you could be free. And now that you're free, don't get tangled up in it again. Keep that mess away from me. Don't come around me with that. People start bringing their sin around you, say, keep it outside. You know, how many of you know who uh, Smith Wigglesworth was? You know, Smith Wigglesworth would not allow a newspaper in his house. The only thing that was allowed in his house was the Word of God. There was a, Lester Summerall came up to his house when he was a young man, and he started to come in with a newspaper, and Smith looked at him and said, what, what's that you got under your arm? It's a newspaper. It said, keep that out of my house. There's some stuff you shouldn't be letting in your house. I mean, how many of you had ever eat a worm other than my wife? <laughs> in jazz. <laughs> There's a few folks in here. You know what I'm talking I'm just playing, but this is what I'm saying. You, you wouldn't put something in you that you knew was going to destroy you. Say it one more time. That's right. right. Anybody else believe that's right? All right. So, why would you get tangled up in sin again? Stay free. How many of you want to not just be free, but you want to stay free? Let me read this to you. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law would make us right with God then there was no need for Christ to die. Several years ago, 
I drove up to Chicago to see a friend that I grew up with. Met him in a McDonald's. We hadn't seen each other probably, I want to say it had been a good 20 years. He didn't recognize me. Or no, I take that back. I re- he recognized me. I didn't recognize him. And we were talking. And he said, I'm a good guy. I went up there to talk to him about Jesus. Drove 300 and something miles, well, I guess 400 miles because I went from Missouri, to talk to him about Jesus. He was on my heart. And I said, I, I, while I'm talking to him, he looked at me and he said, I'm a good guy. He said, you know, I try and treat people right. I said, I know you're a good guy. I said, but if your goodness could have saved you, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. I said, the Bible said, for we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know since that conversation, we've had more conversations, and he'll, he, he'll, he always sends me a Christmas card, and he talks to me about God now and about praying and about seeking him. I'm telling you, all you need to do is start sharing the... What's the word gospel mean? good news and quit acting like it's bad news you've got the good news of jesus christ don't walk around with your head down singing the blues put a smile on your face put a skip in your step and let folks know he's alive and well he's alive do you you got to hear what i'm saying they tell paul you're going to be arrested they tell him they're going to bind you up he said why are you trying to break my heart that ain't no big he's saying none in another place he says none of these things move me neither can i my life dear unto myself why because i want to finish my course with joy (laughs) somebody shout joy Joy. Freedom. freedom how many of you want that if you do i want you to stand to your feet right now And I want you to shout from the top of your lungs. When I get to three, I want you to shout freedom. Are you ready? One, two, three. That was pretty good, but I think you can do better. You know who would like to really experience freedom right now? A young lady that's locked up in a prison over in Russia. Can I tell you something? I've known of people that were locked up in prison and they were still free. There was a man in Romania they had locked up for preaching the gospel. He started preaching the gospel while he was in prison. The guards heard him and came in and worked him over, knocked one of his teeth out. His eyes were swollen. They ripped his clothes and drug him. When they brought him back and threw him in the cell floor, he had blood trickling down his mouth and his clothes were torn. He stood up in the middle of the cell, wiped blood off of his mouth, straightened his shirt up and said, where was I before I was so rudely interrupted? He had a freedom that they could not touch, a freedom that was alive and well in his heart. We understand freedom in this country about the freedom to choose. Today, you're able to exercise that right because you live in America. You have the ability to choose Jesus. Can I tell you something? People that are in China, that are under a communist thumb, whose lives are threatened, for their faith 
are still finding freedom to choose Jesus. People that are in Saudi Arabia that are excommunicated, beheaded for their faith in Christ are still finding the freedom to choose Jesus. God, give me the determination to not just choose him, but to serve him with all that I have and all that I am. At the end of this, your life is like a vanishing vapor. I'm over 20 now. And I'm going to, I'm getting older every year. And I realize that I'm running out of time to do what I'm going to do for God. So I want to make it count. I want to make it last. Freedom. Shout it with me one more time. Are you ready? On three. One, two, three. Freedom.